Our thoughts from scripture this morning turn to Mark chapter 14. While Jesus was facing the attack of the Sanhedrin, Peter was also on trial outside the residence, warming himself by the fire and facing his own accusers. Mark helps us to see that these two trials are taking place at the very same time. Peter followed him at a distance, right into the courtyard of the high priest. There he sat with the guards and warmed himself by the fire. Mark continues to record Peter's trial several verses later. While Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him. You also were with that Nazarene Jesus, she said. But he denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about, he said, and went out into the entryway. When the servant girl saw him there, she said again to those standing around, this fellow is one of them. Again, he denied it. After a little while, those standing near to him said, surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. He began to call down curses and he swore to them, I don't know this man you're talking about. Immediately the rooster crowed the second time. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. And he broke down and wept. Fear, you don't own me. There ain't no room in this story. Well, unfortunately for Peter, there was ample room for fear in the darkness of this night that was quickly turning to chaos. Darkness creates chaos and confusion because we can't see the way ahead. We can't see what's coming at us and we can't see the pitfalls in front or the danger closing in from behind. And in this space, our minds start to play tricks and perspective is quickly lost. Fear sets in. You may know that feeling of lying in the darkness when a random thought takes hold in your mind. A fist-like ball settles in your stomach and you feel your heartbeat increasing. And it takes a conscious act of your will and some deep calming breaths to slow everything down. The evil one just loves it when he's got us in that place. In the three years of Jesus' earthly ministry, there was a constant, always there, right in the middle, often called the chief disciple, mentioned first in any list of disciples, the rock, water walker, the one who recognized and acknowledged Jesus as the son of the living God. He's always right beside Jesus, quick to debate and defend. Even if everyone else deserts you, I never will. Peter, Peter, now quick to deny. And that's what doesn't seem to make sense. How did it come to this? 
How could one so loyal, so committed, so vocal in defence turn away and adamantly deny the one he had left everything to follow? Peter, how could you? I've read and listened to this passage of scripture every Easter for as long as I can remember. But it's these particular words that have captured me as I started to prepare for this service this morning. Mark 14 and verse 54 says, Meanwhile, Peter followed him at a distance and went right into the high priest's courtyard. There he sat with the guards, warming himself by the fire. At a distance. Some translations say, at a safe distance. Peter's experience teaches us about the danger of distance. Distance between us and Jesus creates opportunity for the evil one to interfere. And he's about to interfere big time. It's already been a long, dark night for Peter. Three times he's fallen asleep and been woken by Jesus in the garden. And immediately after the third waking, chaos broke out with soldiers and swords, betrayal by a friend with a kiss, shouting and arresting of Jesus. We know what it's like when we're woken from sleep to something unexpected. It's disorienting. It's confusing. Fear takes hold in the dark. And it's certainly taken hold of Peter. And rather than pushing in close as he's done up until now, he chooses to hold back to create space for himself, to take matters into his own hands. And I begin to retreat in my thinking of Peter, how could you? And I begin to understand Peter a little more. Because, Peter, I've been there myself. I've held back from saying yes to something Jesus has asked me to do or say. I've created space between myself and Jesus when he's been asking me to change about myself something that seemed unnecessary. Yes, I've justified and rationalised my words and my actions. I've taken matters into my own hands when answers to prayers haven't matched my plans or my timetable. Yes, I'm in no place to criticise Peter. But I, and perhaps we this morning, can learn from his mistake of distancing himself from Jesus. And perhaps we can spare ourselves further heartbreak, failure and guilt. Here's what can happen in the space of distance. We can start to pursue comfort over character. Jesus is committed to refining and growing our character into more and more of his likeness. Sometimes that's uncomfortable as old habits and ways of thinking and speaking need to be stripped down so new ways can take hold. The challenge to change seems too hard, maybe even unnecessary and we retreat to the comfort zone of how it's always been. Perhaps in these moments of safe distance, Peter desired comfort to warm himself by the fire, 
comfortable in that space of fitting in with the group around him, not wanting to stand up or stand out in any way different. There was familiar in the old ways of thinking, speaking and acting. Comfortable fits easily. Change in our character may cause us to stand out and to have to answer uneasy questions. In the space of distance, we can find ourselves surrounded by unhelpful companions engaging in damaging conversations. Think about those Peter found himself surrounded by in these moments and the conversations that ensued. Yesterday, in the close company of Jesus, he cared about what Jesus thought and he hung off every word he spoke. Tonight, on his own, Peter seems defenceless to stand against the words coming at him and he retreats to the comfort of unhelpful company, saying anything to be accepted. Unhelpful alliances, friendships and relationships potentially create distance between us and Jesus. If we're not careful, we find our attitudes and our habits, our behaviour, begin to resemble theirs rather than the one that we claim to serve. Their standards become our measuring stick rather than Christ being our standard. In the space of distance, we can start to believe the eyes of the evil one that Jesus will not do as he's promised. Peter had spent three years listening to Jesus preach and teach and show the ways of the kingdom of God. He had a front row seat as Jesus displayed power over nature and humans and Satan and death. The miracles he'd witnessed and the teaching he'd heard were an amazing outworking of God's touch on this earth. Only now, on this darkest of nights, Jesus' ability to perform miracles appears to have run dry. There is no display of power. There was no bringing in of a kingdom on earth. There is no overturning of Roman tyranny. Jesus appears helpless in the hands of his captors, and doubt has taken root in the mind of Peter. It's the perfect storm, allowing Satan to do his best. Don't similar thoughts take root in our own minds when the miracle we so desperately believe and long for is slow in coming, or there is no indication that it's coming at all? Doubt starts to take hold and easily leads to disbelief in the promises we've been given that Jesus will fulfill all that he has said he will. Peter chose to follow at a safe distance as the plans he envisioned fell away. I'm caused to ask myself, am I committed to Jesus regardless of how he responds to my circumstances? Or is my loyalty to him based on how I think he should act? In the space of distance, we can find ourselves in a place of a hardened heart and denial. This world and its attitudes is so distant from your kingdom come. 
your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Away from Jesus, what once moved us will no longer do the same. What once we knew as truth becomes grey and unsure. Our priorities aligned with his shift and our passion for chasing after his purposes for our lives wanes and will eventually die. This leads to denial. Maybe not a vocal denial, but the longer and further we stay away from Jesus, it's only a matter of time before our attitudes, our conversation, our morals, the use of our money, the choice of our company, and our entertainment leads us into a place of denial. The results and experience of Peter's distance from Jesus have not changed through history. It is inevitable that distance will eventually lead to denial. If we don't want to deny Christ, we need to stay close to Christ. The recent horrific acts of terror in Christchurch caused the New Zealand Prime Minister to call this one of New Zealand's darkest days. As Lyndon and I went to worship at Regent Hall on the Sunday following that awful Friday, and that is certainly how I was feeling. I was grateful that morning for the words of love and the prayers that were spoken towards us and our home country. In his message in reference to darkness and evil on that morning, Richard Mingay said, the holy happens amidst agony. The holy happens amidst agony. We witnessed this truth as we watched outpourings of holy grace and love towards the grieving families and the wider Muslim community through our TV screens over the days following. And I was blessed two weeks ago to lay flowers outside the mosque in Christchurch to read messages of love and support, messages of repentance and forgiveness, and to hear Commissioner Rosalie pray for God's love and peace to come in the process of rebuilding broken lives. This indeed is all holy amidst the agony. I see holy amidst the agony in Peter's darkest moment. Luke's gospel records these words. At that moment, that is the moment of denial, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. I imagine that was a look of deep, heart-wrenching disappointment. But in Jesus' eyes, he held unshakable, unconditional love. You're broken right now, Peter but I'm going to use your darkest, most agonizing moment to rebuild, to rebuild you into who I created you to be, the rock on which I will build my church. I'm confident this was there in Jesus' look because on resurrection morning, just a couple of days later, the message from the angel to the women at the tomb was this, go and tell his disciples including Peter, 
that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there, just as he told you before he died. Oh yes, Peter was engulfed in deep darkness right now, but a new day of light was coming, and Peter was included in the glory of all that was yet to be. Those words, including Peter, assure me that there is no distance so great that any of us can't be drawn back into the safety, the comfort, and the forgiveness of Jesus' embrace. May we each allow his holy to embrace whatever our agony might be today. His light will always engulf any darkness we find ourselves in. I pray you will allow this truth to be your reality today and into this holy weekend and in all the days that lie ahead.